Welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, July 9th, 2020, otherwise known as National Sugar Cookie Day. Maybe we should go, you know, since so many of these days are food-based and we always do like where Ben makes a food analogy about, you know, making stuff, he should have to make a making stuff analogy about whatever food day it is. Well, I can actually have a making cookies story interjection into this topic. So... The first business I ever started was with my older brother, Nate. He's two years older than me. And I think I was eight and he was 10. And it wasn't quite sugar cookies. It was shortbread cookies, which are very similar. It's Mm -hmm. just brown sugar, butter, and flour. Those are the only three ingredients. And we sold them for a dollar a dozen. Damn, that's a deal. Yeah, especially back then. And what we did, this was before like inkjet printers and computers, really. So we drew out on graph paper order forms and it said, oh, do you want chocolate chips? That's an extra 15 cents a cookie. Do you want ah. chocolate chips plus walnuts? That's extra 25 cents a cookie. We printed these out or we didn't print them. We, we drew the original order form, went and then made photocopies of it and then slid them around all the neighbor's doors in like a probably like a four or five block radius. Then we, they would fill them out. We'd go pick them up. And then it would also, they would tell us what time they wanted the cookies delivered. And we guaranteed that they would be within 30 minutes out of the oven. So, oh, man, you guys were using like the Domino's model. Exactly. So we made all the dough. The reason we did shortbread is that like, there's no like baking soda or yeast or sort of a leavening agent that makes the cookies rise and become fluffy. Shortbread are like kind of a dense cookie. And so that way we could just make all the dough ahead of time, put them in the freezer and logs. And then we just had to remember to take them out and defrost them and then bake them and then deliver them. Nice. It's pretty good. Early adopters of the upsell model. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Early on. What, what was your first uh, business endeavor or you're just like your first job or whatever, Mike? Me? Oh, I think it was whenever I was young, I would split firewood and then sell that to like people around me and then my parents, homies that were the hookup. So you were always just like, always that's like a very Abe Lincoln-esque. Yeah, we just cut, split cut wood and then split it into ricks or nice. a half a rick. Normally we'd sell it for like 75, 80 bucks a rick. of wood? A cord, I think, is four ricks. A cord is a buttload. But like a rick is what you would get if you were filling up your truck bed, basically. Yeah. So a buttload is so also four ricks? Yeah, shout out to my dad well, for instilling some... Some hard work ethic in me because he would drive me around to drop it off before I had my driver's license. Nice. Sidebar. So you know how every once in a while, like a new word will get added to the dictionary, even if it's a slang term, like it just gets used so much that people are like, well, right. screw it. We got to add this to the official lexicon of English. I think. Butload? I think, yeah, I think we should actually use our influence. It'll take a long time, but we should get, <laughs> we should work hard to try to get buttload as an actual unit of measure. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere between what and what. Was that a metric buttload or? <laughs> so here would be my initial proposal, but I haven't thought about this in great detail. So I'm open to suggestions. Okay. My thinking would be, I think we need a, like, a term for a quarter of a ton and that would be a buttload. Okay. So 500 pounds is a buttload. See, now I think of buttload as a quantity, quantity. more than a, a, yeah, more than a, more than a like volume. Like how many gallons? <laughs> It's a buttload. No, like of how water. many units? Like yeah, how many individual units? units. It's, it's something that there's so an like individual. It, it, so like it's more than fifty, but maybe less to, than two hundred. Right. 
Mm. Where is it then? Oh, yeah, like, I, well, I think it's, well, I mean, it depends on what you're talking about too. See, that's the thing with buttloads. Like you said, like, man, I got to. <laughs> it's uh, five bushels. <laughs> right. How much is a bushel? A fifth of a yeah, buttload. Yeah, because then you could have a, a, bushel you could have a three buttload packs. of. You would have a buttload of apple juice, and in that case, it is oh, it yeah. is about quantities it's and volume. True, yeah. All right, something to think abundance. about. But Love. if we did have a legacy, <laughs> when this is all said and done, of like, you know what? After 500 episodes of the Modern Maker podcast, what did those three guys accomplish? And it's yeah. like, it's no Guinness World Records, but it's better. We did get a new unit of measure on record. Oh, and that it's should a buttload. be top line of all of our tombstones right there if we can accomplish yeah. that that's something yeah it's something to work towards so that's going to be our sort of you know go out do our thing and then come back next week with what a buttload could really be nice yeah because yeah, well, if if we did actually make that happen and i would bring back business cards for myself and i would just be inventor of the metric buttload <laughs> or the imperial buttload depends on who adopts it we'll take country? either you know yeah i was like <laughs> we're just we'll looking take for takers yeah so what are you guys working on oh man you go mike oh, i had a i had a surprise little banger of a video that come out penny, this week penny table yeah so i've been working on the epoxy vanity bathroom sink thing that i mentioned last week mm-hmm. and my little side project while i was waiting for pores of resin to cure kind of taking a note from what we were talking about kind of having a really active project within having a side project while you wait on those things. Yeah. And I just made a coffee table, a round one, 30 inches in diameter, where the tabletop is made out of three quarter inch round penny tiles. And they're flat black and the grout is flat black and the metal border around it is flat black and the hairpin legs are flat black. Ooh, it so is, you got a murdered out coffee table? It is just It looks really that. good. Thank you very much. Yeah. And it was one of the ideas that I've had it forever. Weirdly enough, the the first f- few months of looking into what I wanted the bus to be like a year and a half ago, I was looking at how I wanted to finish the bathroom and penny tiles was really on a wave at that time. Like just good, clean, white penny tiles in a bathroom. A lot of people were doing them and they were all over Pinterest and I came across some black penny tiles, thought it was a cool option, found them on Amazon really relatively cheap. And it was just one of those things. It was just one of those things where I wanted to have them around. So I ordered them and they'd just been sitting in my closet for like a year and a half until it was just one of those things where I was waiting for all this time, waiting for the resin to cure a couple of hours between pours, kind of bored. I had already edited all the footage that I had on the project. So I was just looking on ways to keep myself busy and this idea that I've been wanting to do forever finally got a chance to kind of get built. And yeah, like you said, Ben, I think it came out pretty cool. And the video just went right out of the gates, like screaming. And it was, you know, and I mentioned it in the video, it's a little bit of a prototype. Not everything is the most clean, but it's definitely just the project to get the idea out there and to be improved upon, but really, really great feedback. And that was the first time that I had spent the day kind of camped out in the comments every, you know, every hour and a half or two hours, I'd dip back into the comments for 15, 20 minutes and just answering things to most people being positive and not anybody just being brutally mean. It was really nice. (laughs) It was was the feel good project of the year. It was. And it was just a day and a half build. It was a quick one. It was just really fun. So from my perspective, there's a good lesson in that project, right? Because when you originally told me the idea, and this is, I think like this encapsulates Mike's sort of maker philosophy is 
when Mike told me the idea and sort of laid out what he was going to do, I'm like, oh, how are you going to handle the edges, right? Because the penny tiles are small, but they're not so small that you're going to get perfect pixelation all the way up to a circumference without doing a serious amount of math, which me and Mike are not really the type of people to do it. Mm-hmm. So no. I'm like, are you going to cut the tile or just break the tiles off and grout towards the edge? And everybody's like, oh, I'm going to cut the tile. And it didn't really work out that well relative to the way he kind of adhered them to the surface. But in classic Mike style, he just rolls with it and like makes the grout do the work. And the design idea compensated for the thing that didn't quite work out from the making perspective. Whereas like I know a lot of makers that would just get stuck on that and they would mm-hmm. already start to see they they'd kind of get discouraged and lose momentum. And they would debate whether they should start over or get a new tool. Mike just crushed right through it. And because he went with that kind of monochromatic you know, color palette, it all looked perfect. And it's the, I, you know, probably very few people brought that up. And even if he was able to cut the, cut the tile, the tile isn't black all the way through mm. and the edges aren't radiused on the part that he would cut. So it's like one of those right. things where if you just stay positive, keep improvising, be flexible and just adapt and do the best you can, you can get a great outcome, even if it doesn't go as planned. Yeah. So then how, so then is the way that you did it, you don't cut them. You just go as close you can, as close as you can to the edge. And then that's good enough. That was basically it. My, my plan originally was to get some kind of diamond cutting blade uh-huh. on my angle grinder and just follow oh, okay. the plywood. Cause I, I, I cut the, the base out of plywood and then I put the right. tile onto that and I was just going to trim using the edge of the plywood so that everything would be flush. But it just, it didn't work. I was able yeah. to cut through the tile, but I could only get square cuts. Mm-hmm. And so even on the penny tiles, they were still, you know, it, it wasn't like this clean radius cut on the couple that I was able to get. Right. It was, it was not, it wasn't even, it wasn't even that the cut tiles looked terrible. They just looked worse than whenever I just removed the tiles if they were overhanging and grouted that whole void. Yeah. So there were some people that were saying grab uh, like tile nippers is what they call them, but they do the same thing. They just cut tiles straight. So right. if anybody has good suggestions on cutting a curve, I'd like to hear it. But I really think that this is kind of the solution. It's just you trust that the grout is good and you let it kind of fill those voids. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. I've never done any tiling in my life, so here comes some uh, p- potential ignorance. But like, is the way that when you get a sheet of penny tile, you can like cut it so that you can work with individual little pieces of the tile, it's like right? Bit graphics, Chris, and right? you can so split you could, the like, pixels remove, apart, right? You could. That's exactly okay. it, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a twelve inch by twelve inch mosaic with like that mesh stuff on the back. Okay, so then my first thought would be, if I had to do it, the way I would have gone in is probably kind of close to because when if you did cut it, it's just like white on the inside or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like I probably would have tried to like put down full sheets in a way where like I get as close to filling up as I can and then just like cut little individual things. And like, since I know I can't get quite to the edge, just make it Mm. like a uniformed way that it's like kind of symmetrically going to the edge. But yeah, even that might be overkill. Honestly, the, if you had done white grout, I think it would have looked a little bit funny. Probably because you would have seen the the contrast is going to hide a lot. It's a great way to use color palette to kind of mask certain things. Also, yeah. you use Diffusion Pro Grout, which is like a little bit more expensive, but pre-mixed, super stain resistant, and 
Yeah, the stuff is a little bit more expensive, but what you were saying, yeah, it goes on really easy and you don't have to make a mess stirring it up and the the pigment is already kind of in there, good to go. But what's interesting is it probably costs it probably costs twice as much compared to it's traditional like a $15 grout. $15 tub. Yeah, but you don't have to buy any sealer because right. you don't need to do that step and it just works really, really well. It, it's it's a thing where it just applies so cleanly. Weirdly enough, you don't like use a sponge to to like clean everything off and like let the haze dry and then wipe it. Apparently, if you do that, that doesn't the haze will never come off. Right. So there's this really weird step where after you use the sponge to get really good clean grout microfiber lines and get cloth. the surface, yeah, to get the surface clean, you use microfiber cloths and you just drag it across the surface of the tiles like it's a little cape, like as yeah. if it's just like hovering, gliding over it. Hmm. And at first, you feel really stupid because. This or at least nothing. To me, I'm like, this is doing it, nothing. It yeah. feels like a and step I look, in a magic trick. I look like a little pansy. I'm just something. like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just being so dainty, just and gliding this little cloth. out. <laughs> yeah, and then, <laughs> and then after like 20, after 20 swipes in a bunch of different directions, finally the the haze was just like kind of gone. Yeah, it's, and it, it dried it, clean, ready to go. It feels more like a step in a magic trick than in making a table. But yeah, it's like a little too crafty. It's not gritty right. enough. So <laughs> I first used diffusion grout for those inlays when I was doing the inlays of the grout into wood. Oh, yeah. And then once I ex- used it there, I was like, this stuff is amazing because I had used regular grout before and it was kind of a disaster. And then I used all that stuff for the container house and it's a uh, highest recommendation where spending a little bit more on a material that still isn't that expensive saves you so much time and hassle and also cleanup. Yeah, and it's real versatile too. Like that stuff... It can fill a gap all the way up to almost a quarter or a half of an inch. I don't remember what it was saying, but the gaps that I had were half to three quarters of an inch and it didn't even shrink or crack too bad. So, yeah, product recommendation of the week, Fusion Pro Grout. Yeah. There you go. Chris, what are you doing? What about you? Man, I am still in pure edit mode again. Jeez. (laughs) I guess last week when we talked, I had... Boring. I know, seriously. (laughs) I, I had finished that vinyl thing. So I finished that edit now. Okay. To, okay. So when people hear this two days ago, the plans will have officially launched. So all that stuff's Ooh. out, but now I'm em. working on editing the rocking chair plans. So Ooh. that was what Sean <laughs> had taken the lead on building that, but I'm doing the bulk of the editing because we're also simultaneously starting work on, we're doing this like big custom I don't even know if you'd call it a dining table. I mean, I guess it would be a dining table, but it's like, it's for this winery. So it's like a 16 foot long dining table, I'll call it. It's got like a very slight bow going through the whole thing to map because of the room that it's in has like, Mm. it's got like a big long curved wall and the guy wants us to kind of like match the arc of that curve. So we kind of have that and the plans going simultaneously and we have deadlines for all of this stuff. So Ah. we had to kind of like, it it was to the point where we can't both be working on both things. Like one of us has to take the lead on each thing. So I was like, let me just do this edit because I've already like laid the groundwork with a lot of the kind of like infrastructural stuff that you need for the plan edit. So, so you did what a good leader does is you did the less fun work. Yeah, that's right. Although I wouldn't call myself (laughs) a leader at all, but I did what a good soldier would do. 
so 16 foot table yeah is it this walnut is it plywood where you know so it's it's split in two actually so originally it was going to be like a 19 foot table that was split in two and then the guy changed it to a 16 foot table that's split in two so you're we're essentially doing two eight foot tables that have to kind of like meet in the center and be used as one table and he had a tree that was on his property that's a pear tree, I guess, or it's pear wood. So I'm assuming it was a pear tree that he had like all milled up and everything and was just like sitting at a mill for the past two or three years or whatever. So he brought it all down to us and it's quite a bit of wood, but I don't think it's as much wood as like what he thought it was in his head because there's so many defects into it. And I think like, you know, especially if you're not a woodworker, you think like, this whole tree, I can make five tables out of that. We're like, we're going to have to like stretch it to get this one table out of it. So the way that it's going to be, and then I can't remember what other wood we're going to use for it, but basically the pear wood is going to be like the whole field of the table. And then it'll have a border in a contrasting wood. And in order to like make such a big table, we're basically going to have to turn it into sort of like veneers, thick veneers, I would say. So kind of like if you guys ever saw the table that Sean did, that was like the expandable dining table, the circular one, he cut, he had these big walnut pieces that he basically had to resaw to be like, you know, an eighth of an inch thick or whatever. And he made all these wedges to make a circular table. So this one's going to be a kind of, I don't even know what you would call the pattern, but it's almost like a play on like herringbone a little bit and that's what Mm -hmm. the field would Mm -hmm. be made out of and then it'll have like a probably four inch wide border going around it of a contrasting are you charging a million dollars to make this table because this sounds like a well how are you even able to know how much to charge because you're getting the wood for free yeah well we charged zero (laughs) so we figured three times zero is zero so yeah oh wow you're doing three times (laughs) material material great move dude that's such a great move yeah no uh (laughs) no that's Yeah, I was about to say, so you have a buttload of this wood. We got a buttload so of however many board feet, however many board feet you have is what a buttload is. Yeah. It's a it's it's a project that like I think it'll make for a cool video because it's like obviously gonna be a very I, I don't think it's gonna be exactly our style, like what people would be used to, but it should still be very unique and hopefully like the story of you know working on such a big project and for a client can be good. And it's a it's a, a sizable commission. Hey, hey. So look at Chris I mean, being. It, you know, it's not six thousand dollars and five hundred in material, but Chris is a subtle flexor over here. <laughs> that was a very subtle flex. Hey, he's got wine margins. Money. <laughs> That's cool, man. I'm hyped to see it then. And have you done any cutting on the project yet? Like, do you know what pear wood cuts like? Never even knew that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Has this wood been dried and stuff yet? Don't you have to oh, let yeah. it like no, no, Is it like he, air dried? He, he had it like all like cut like two years ago and it had just been like sitting at a yard. Mm. So it's, huh. it's all dry. I mean, like hopefully it's well acclimated. It's from like <laughs> Temecula area. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot of like wine places out there. Temecula is beautiful. So the climate should be roughly the same yeah. as here. It's so it should be drier. Like, It'll be good. Yeah. But we have started milling it already. It's pretty dense and it's like, it's a like medium colored warm sort of look yeah you know cherry-ish or whatever yeah okay a little a little more open grained i think like a little more like avocado wood in between avocado and cherry from what i remember a good meal yeah pears avocado and cherry Mm. (laughs) that's that's tight are you gonna incorporate like pictures of the tree uh yep if he has some we probably will then we can do the old uh 
the old Brad Rodriguez from this to this trick and oh. have the actual tree. And then like people drunk and drinking wine and Shout at a table. Shout out to Brad Rodriguez just doing the damn thing. Brad's a great guy. <laughs> Fix is. this, build that if you haven't, if you don't know. All right, Ben, what you got going on, man? Your turn. Let's see. Well, the floating bed will be out. I, as we're recording, I just got approval from Tuft and Needle. So that'll be out I've been ignoring the comment section on my last table <laughs> project, but enjoying the numbers all the same. Are people still going nutty about it? I don't know, but uh, I think <laughs> I would guess on the initial trajectory of both views and dumbness that I would think that if the it's views are still worse. going the same, the dumbness is also magnified. But I will take it because it's in my interest. But... I just got a powder coating oven and I'm going to be experimenting with that this week. So there's a YouTube channel called Mancrafting and by a guy named Chad. And I've been interested in powder coating for a while. So I was just kind of thinking, okay, I think I can get everything from Eastwood because I heard Jimmy DeResta talking about powder coating and he mentioned the company Eastwood. So I go on Eastwood's website and I got could get the powder coating gun, the powder, some other accessories like little jars to store the paint powder, but no ovens. They, I guess they don't sell ovens anymore. They just sell lamps. And I don't want to set up a whole room. So I Googled like, you know, ovens for powder coating ovens. And Chad from Mancrafting's video came up where he kind of reviewed different like affordable ovens that you can get off of Amazon that would work well. And so I bought the oven he recommended. So shout out to, to Chad. Met him at a workbench con. Really nice guy. Yeah. So I'm going to... I'm going to be powder coating some kettlebells for my friend and who has like a gym and she wants some very stylish kettlebells. So I bought some very basic ones off of Amazon. Got to strip the epoxy off of them. There'll be a lot of like nasty angle grinding and also maybe a little sandblasting. I haven't really used my sandblasting cabinet too much and I'm going to take some stabs out powder coating stuff because I have a like I have a ton of scrap steel lying in the backyard. So I've always wanted yeah. to make cool brackets and things like that. So and that's really exciting. When that's, you powder oh. coat something, do you powder coat it and then put it in the oven? Yes. Okay. That's just where it cures. You shake and then bake. Nice. <laughs> and I helped. So it, it literally is like that, right? But you use this gun that uses like a static charge of electricity and you like kind of clip it the same way you would kind of use a grounding wire to weld something. Uh And then you spray the powder over it and it just sticks to the metal. Okay. Is it like a magnet where it like to it? A little bit, like more like static electricity and like, like a, like a hair sticking to a balloon. Okay. So there's something about it that wants to attract. And then you bake it and then it melts the (laughs) little powder particles and forms a very tough paint coating. Nice. Yeah. It's like Basically indestructible coating, right? That's what people use on like uh, like tire wheels and yeah. stuff when they get custom okay. wheels. So that's cool, man. I'm hype on it. Okay, it'll be it'll be. What about a sink? You're gonna put a sink in there? I don't know. Having a colored kitchen sink would be crazy, or a bathroom sink, I guess. I think a sink would take too much scratching damage from like stainless steel things that could eventually scratch Maybe. through the powder coating. But I just want to. I thought a kettlebell would be like a fun object. Oh. You can oh, also yeah. get chrome powder, so you can chrome things. Uh, so that's pretty cool. I was thinking a chrome kettlebell would look crazy. Just shining. Yeah, that would look pretty sweet. 
Yeah. I think a kettlebell is a good option too because it's pretty small. What are the, what's the capacity of the oven? 18 by 12 by 24. It's tall and skinny. Like Chris. Hey. (laughs) That's cool. Okay. Well, now it's got me thinking of of some other stuff. So that's very cool. That's an experiment. I'll be doing it this week. So you should come by and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll share. I'll share the results. Put my hand in there. Connor, put your hand. So going to do that. Excited for the release of the floating bed video. Like the initial Instagram response has been like, People are pretty hype on it because it is very floaty. And then the project that I just finished building was a shop furniture project where I built the ultimate DIY work. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I'm I'm kind of splintering, right? So on one hand, I'm doing things like with the concrete pavers where I'm using like the shaper tool, which is really expensive. And then with the floating bed, I'm using you know, probably $800 worth of material in terms of steel and a really nice live edge slab. So, and then the big table was an expensive commission. So I don't want to get too, too fancy and I want to make sure I'm interjecting some, you know, some classic homemade, modern, affordable, nice looking DIY projects. So, and I just re-upped my contract with Ryobi. So I said, let's, let's create the minimal DIY workshop. So I made a cart that's just under two feet by four feet, and it's loaded with every single thing you would need to make about 70% of the projects that I have built over the last five years. So the only power tools that it stores are angle grinder, circular saw, drill driver, orbital sander, and jigsaw. And with yeah. those tools, you can I think you can build just about anything. There's always a better not the, option. Not the little rotary carver? Uh, the problem is, is you still could use a drill for that. So, Yeah, that's true. And I'll probably end up throwing the glue gun in there. I haven't decided yet since it's such a cheap tool. But I also made it so this one little cart, it also holds two fold-out steel sawhorses. It holds rags, glue. It's like a lot of the shop furniture I see forgets the actual things that you use a lot, but you don't, but are kind of small ticket items. So mm-hmm. I really thought a lot about how many screwdrivers do you actually need visible? So I think the tendency that people do with shop furniture is they go, oh, here's the part on the wall where I put screwdrivers. And so they have like, and they bought like a nice set of screwdrivers. So then now they have 10 screwdrivers, five Phillips, five mm-hmm. flatheads, and maybe a couple of those weird star ones. The problem with that is if, if you actually like wash, if you like if you sh- shined a, a black light on it to see where people's like fingerprints actually were, <laughs> they're like grabbing three. They're grabbing them. the same one over and over again. Yeah. So yeah. If and for me, in the entire existence of me as a maker, space has always been the most valuable thing. I've always worked in spaces that were too small. So I think there's a lot of other people like that that just don't have a lot of room. Maybe they only have maybe they have a two car garage even, but they only have one car worth of space available and they have to back the car out to build something. So I was really thinking about like when you don't have a whole wall to dedicate to display everything, how do you just make this one cart very NASCAR style with just the tools that you use the most often and then everything else can be locked away in more deep storage that's not as accessible but takes advantage of like you know, little gaps and and cabinets uh, uh, that you don't access very often. So I built this very efficient cart. I just teased it on my Instagram stories. So be sure to check that out.
Today's episode of the Modern Maker Podcast is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an amazing website if you are interested in learning new things. And I'm assuming if you're a Modern Maker Podcast fan or listener, then you're interested in learning new things. Look, it's really important to invest in yourself. If you talk to anyone that's good at anything, it's because they're not just sitting on their laurels and being static. They're always adding a new wrinkle or a new twist to what they do. And Skillshare is a fantastic way to do that in a way that's easy to integrate into your lifestyle. I think it's also a way that if you want to learn something new, you can kind of expedite the process. That's where I found it really helpful in my life. It was when I was getting back into making, or getting into making YouTube videos, and I wanted to get back into editing, which I had done a little bit of before, but I was completely unfamiliar with Adobe Premiere, which is the software that I had access to and what I've been using for the past four years now. So I took a class, I, you know, is like a six hour class. Probably I took it over the course of probably a week. I would say, you know, I, I dedicated myself pretty good to it, doing a few hours here and there every day and got through the course and felt totally right at home by the time I was editing my first video. That's awesome. So if you are interested in taking your creative journey further, do it with Skillshare. They've got chapterized courses that are easy to digest and you can always go back and forth to reinforce anything that you learned earlier. And right now, for our listeners, Skillshare is offering two free months of their premium membership at Skillshare.com forward slash Modern Maker. It's a great value, and after that, Skillshare memberships cost right around $10 a month, which is great. So once again, that is two months of premium membership at Skillshare.com forward slash Modern Maker. So check out some courses, find some things that resonate with you, and we just want to give one more big thanks to Skillshare for supporting the Modern Maker podcast. Now back to the show. I'm having a, a brain, sorry to interrupt, but I'm having yeah. a, a session here with myself of a really bad idea that we could do for a challenge, Uh-oh. which oh, is, here so we go. what if we did like, so there was a specific kind of project that we had to build, but we did like a tool draft. So like Ben had first pick and he would get a pick a tool and then that's Angle off the grinder. table and then Mike goes oh. and like that. And so those are the only tools we have access to. That I think that that's actually fair. That's fair and fun. Yeah. All right, maybe we'll someday we'll do the later. tool draft. Yeah, we'll, we'll the tool draft. But that's it was really much the thing. It was really thinking about what I use the most often, and yeah, and so giving equal, like having rags on hand, is really important. Having brushes on hand, or so it was putting sort of equal value to all the things I use. So I actually watched a bunch of my kind of like DIY videos that are emblematic of the type of projects that I think would come out of this type of shop furniture, and. I just looked at like what amount of time was spent using what things, not thinking that like, oh, the power tools are more important than the chisel or, you know, the the a pencil. So everything was sort of based on everything got its sort of I really prioritized the things I use the most to be the most visibly and easily mm-hmm. read, available. So like, wait, have you already done this or you're still in like I the built brains? It already? So, yeah, look oh, at my stories right now. And you'll see like a preview of it. So even with like safety gear, it's like I do wear hearing protection, but I only wear hearing protection when I'm doing a lot of sanding for a long period of time or a lot of angle grinding of something. And so it's like I don't want to put all the PPE in the same area because I don't want to use up real estate for the bulky ear protectors when but I I need safety glasses for just about everything. So it was much more based not on categories, but on frequency of use. I like What's PPE? Personal protective equipment. <laughs> yeah. Safety the, 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 the Mike Montgomery knows. 
Come on, I always man. called it poo-poo. That's why Modern Builds has been OSHA approved since right. 2019. So I don't use up the prime real estate for all the screwdrivers. I just put out the ones that I use the most often. So there's two flatheads, two Phillips. And then Wait, the other the ones that came in the set are tucked away in a toolbox. I think I have one screwdriver in my whole shop. Well, you no, just use it for opening paint cans. <laughs> no, I have a paint can opener for that. And I got a couple of those, ironically. You have more paint That's because they give openers. them for free when you buy paint. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have them kind of scattered like, around wherever I might paint. Yeah, you buy paint and you're like, well, I guess I got another one of these. Yeah. You know those work as bottle openers too, though? Do they? Well, I, I wouldn't know, but... Well, I can imagine a lot of things could work as a bottle opener. Yeah, that's true as well. But I do like the cart. I saw it in person yesterday, the day before we were recording this. There's a lot of stuff packed in there. There was a few things that I really liked about it. The first thing just right off the bat was just the work, the worktop table height was relatively high and it obviously wasn't too high, but that was just something that I really appreciated off the bat. I liked that. I liked that you chose good casters there are cheaper casters available, but you chose good ones, I could tell. Yeah. That seemed like a strong move. And yeah, I mean, the the tool choice was good. I like that you had basically like slots that the 6-inch and the 12-inch speed squares could slide into. Mm. And yeah, there was just basically like room for one of everything. It right. was cool. It's, it's also weird, I think. I don't... Th- I've seen a lot of like DIY workshop spaces and none of them have been been so heavily built around an angle grinder. I think that's like kind of one of the big differences that that I have in a DIY space is like all I think most kind of DIYers would have a nail gun or something like that instead of they have an extra fastening tool instead Mm -hmm, of a angle grinder tool. But I see the angle angle grinders. A grand, angle grinder is that weird like bridge tool. Yeah, because like most people, that's the stopping point. But your stopping point is just the angle grinder instead. But your stopping point is literally the next step. It's like you right. never really use like a metal cutoff saw, like an abrasive saw or, or a metal band saw very often, except for when, you know, the moment calls for it. But it's but it's that. It's like you take one step towards angle grinder, whereas, yeah, a lot of people would use just like a cordless brad nailer or, you know, maybe something else. Yeah, it's funny. But that's what's cool about the cart, I guess, is after you build for a while, you really do have that stable of tools that are in the majority of your projects. And then everything that makes its occasional little appearance, like put that in the corner. Right. Because it doesn't need to be in the way all the time. And it's a good prototype because this is how I'm going to have when I eventually build my big shop. This is the setup. It's not going to be these like workbenches along the walls with like tool stations. It'll be like some cabinets to store things and a few different carts that are... I have like four of those carts where they're all the same. I'll have a metalworking cart. I'll have like a, some woodworking carts. I'll have like a paint and finishing cart. And yeah, so I'll have a cleanup cart. Powder-coated which is cart. Just, yeah, powder-coated cart. I'll have a snack cart. <laughs> Hot dog cart. <laughs> but it'll, it'll be much more on these things. So it's like just the maximizing the amount of empty open space and then just moving the tools to there. And then maybe I'll have a table saw and a planer and those things. But still not sure I ever, ever need one. They're overrated. Trust me. Table saw would be nice. All I do, I just angle grind everything. If you think about it, if you were skilled enough with the angle grinder, it could do every cut. Could be a table saw if you were, if you had that steady hand. Track angle grinder yeah there you go it just take a long time to make a cut yo i saw jesse sent me some 
like you know those like whack ass ads you get for like weird tool contraptions that look like something Glenn from DIY Creators would make that's really unsafe but awesome. I saw one for like an angle grinder chop saw attachment where you like put your oh, angle I've grinder in it, but it was like a it was like a compound miter version of that where oh, wow. it wasn't just Whoa. making a chop saw, but you could then like slide it on the tracks. That's making it a little too too, too dangerous. So, so it's got too those. many too many ways it can uh, like articulate. Yo, it was so sketchy. But you got to make those really wide angle grind cuts. I almost always watch those ads. Like I just want to see how it happens. I saw one with like a really little table saw that looked super dangerous. That was like had like ten million views on Facebook. You know. That actually would be a really awesome video if you made it, Ben, if you just really dedicated some time to making the full angle grinder workshop where you did just have like <laughs> all kinds of crazy setups for every process I, that I you could think of. I have done some projects that were only angle grinder. Like I think the that coffee table that I made out of a big steel I-beam, I think it was pretty much, no, I did use an orbital sander to kind of smooth it out, but I could have done that all with an angle grinder. You know what? There used to be people that would like the the router would be the center of the workshop for them because like you can make a router kind of do anything also oh i've heard about this like a router workshop yeah you should yeah. be that but for angle grinders yeah I'll just do call it. it call it grinder you just got to figure out the right way, <laughs> right way to cut my favorite <laughs> god dang it <laughs> chris yeah you just got to figure out how to cut wood with it oh yeah how you do you cut you wood put, with you an angle put a grinder. metal blade in it and put it on a track the rpms are a little high i mean you say that but I don't know that you know could. that that works. You could do that. <laughs> I like your confidence, though. So. Very thin balsa. No problem. Yeah. yeah, while you guys were just talking, I was on Alibaba. You know Alibaba. Oh, yeah. And I was just looking. I just searched angle grinder attachments. Uh-huh. There's everything you can think oh, of. Man. Like, There's ones that you imagine already. Like, If you thought about it for a minute, you'd be like, oh, chainsaw. It already exists. But one that stuck out that I really liked is you can get oh, wow. a belt sander attachment for an angle grinder. So it's like a, the same way like that gigantic Ameribraid belt sander that we got over at Maker Ranch Bin. The same way oh, that yeah. one has like mm. four different like rollers with like a really cool tension system. This has like the most dainty version that fits on the end of an angle grinder. Dang, look at this stuff. What yeah, do you got, Chris? I kind of want to build something all out of an angle grinder now. And I barely even use one. I don't even know what I'm doing with them. Hey, just do a coffee, building a coffee table using only, all caps, an angle grinder. <laughs> yeah, the only tool you need from here on in. The one attachment that does look kind of useful is the one that's the most basic, which is just, it gives your angle grinder, it's like a collar that goes around the same place that the normal guard for an angle grinder attaches, uh-huh. but it also just has a bed, like what a circular saw has. That'll that seems like it might actually be useful, because you could have a straight edge and kind of score along with it if you needed really straight lines, but in reality, freehanding with the angle grinder is not that tough. Like, I just got done doing it for the for the base on this vanity that I'm working on, and it was, it was great, man. The angle grinder does not get enough love. That's right. Well, what if next week when we talk, I'm going to be like, guys, I sold it all. I'm going all Yeah, there's not a grind. chance. Well, <laughs> there's not a chance, Chris. Forget it. 180 one I, degrees. One thing I think we should do for like maybe to celebrate like a, a milestone, a number of episodes or something for the podcast, we should order all of the as seen on TV tools and just do a live broadcast where we test them out all day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down. Like the weird ladders, the, I just sent you guys the angle grinder thing, the angle grinder chop saw attachment on Instagram. Like just all those, 
like whack ass tools that seem like they're kind of brilliant. Like we can then cover everything with flex seal, make some boats. And I was about to say it's a moment where like they're good at identifying oh, wow. a problem. And then there's like, well, what if? And you're like, oh, cool. It's what, something that right. you would think like if you smoke some weed, you'd be like, oh, not a bad idea. If. But Man. then people just decide to take it all the way through fruition. Right. And then we wash Same everything down with some OxyClean. Oh, wait. As soon as I hear this music, I know it's good. It's, good. it's even uh, the OB colored though, man. That's right up your alley, man. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> it's got that like short. Tr- now nah, it's a little greener, maybe. This is actually pretty heavy duty, though. Ooh. The chop saw for this angle grinder. Oh, dude. Yeah, I'm telling you, this. they're cutting a lot of stuff. They're cutting wood, they're cutting metal. The the stand and everything they made it out of is made out of like legit steel. It doesn't look flimsy. Yeah. At all. Okay, well, how do we shout this out so that people can find oh, we it? They need to be able to find this. Modern Maker Podcast Instagram account, which everyone should be following. Thursday, that'll okay, be great. up. Whenever people are hearing this. Yeah. Okay, I just, I sent it to the podcast account so that hopefully we remember that. We won't. Yeah. But other than no, that, we might. We somebody might. Somebody remind us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but other than that, like, I'm, I've been really busy on the edits and getting ready for another building session. So I'm going to kick off. So this is kind of how I've been doing. Two weeks of building, two weeks of editing. Just crap out the videos when they're ready and not worry about a schedule or anything like that. And so I'm, I'm excited because I'm getting ready for another building session. So I'm going to start off with that powder coating experiment. But Brett from Skull and Spades, I think I'm going to have him show me how to do a little bit of blacksmithing. I have some ideas for just doing like a like actually like hammering out furniture components. Because I think like I see all these kind of blacksmiths people that are friends with Jesse and Brett and they're always making knives. Knives are cool. They're making these like little twisty metal things or that kind of stuff. And I'm like. The finish that you can get by hammering out metal, this kind of like meteorite worn like texture looks really cool. And I almost want to do that on bigger pieces that are actually like furniture pieces. So So you're saying like making like a base or something like that for. Yeah. Or like the table legs or stuff gotcha. like that. But not trying to. I, I'm approaching blacksmithing the same way I would approach laving, which is what the professionals called wood turning. I learned this from from Jimmy. Laving, where it's like it's hard to make four things that are the same, but it's easy to make mm-hmm. one thing that looks cool. So just design around, <laughs> design a piece where you can have a bunch of one things that look cool. So that's right. How yeah, I'm yeah. Re- Right. So speaking like, kind of of that, did you guys have make a see, unicorn? <laughs> did you guys see Eric from Cutworks, the thing that he made for his lathe recently? Yeah. I don't, it, I don't know that I did. What did he make? So he made like this, like it, he built like a whole encasement for it. And then he's got a router that rides on top of it. So it's like instead of turning with, you know, a turning tool, he has a router like on top of it that's spinning. So it like, so I he can just make remove, cylinders. So yeah, if, yeah, and like turn like spindles and stuff like that really fast. If you want a wow. really good Instagram follow, follow Eric, uh, and it's called Cutworks. C U T W E R X. Cut. It's cut underscore W E R X. Right. Weirks. So I just picked up a tip from him today about how to cut curves on plexiglass, and he made this this router jig that sandwiches both sides of the plexi and it slides on like a like a like a sleeve or something and then it like uses a bearing on the router bit to to guide it 
but it was such a clever trick. It cut the plexiglass perfectly, even with these nice, consistent, rounded corners. He was kind of making a piece of plexiglass that looks like an old school TV screen, you know, with the rounded corners. And but yeah, I'm working with him on a big project that's coming up, a big steel project. But he is a really good fabricator. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. do YouTube, although I'm, I'm trying to trying to get him to do more of it. But his Instagram, he'll post some some really cool stuff. Yeah, I'm looking at the router thing that he made for the lathe. Isn't and he that calls cool? it He called it a lathe terrarium. But that, <laughs> oh, it's right. exactly that. If you imagine a lathe, lathe inside of basically like a, an aquarium box, all see-through, that's exactly what it looks like. But yeah, he's just got really, really long router bits that, there's, that, that, that can just carve while the lathe is turning. It's so crazy. It's too cool. Spinning on spinning that's action. I was about to say, that's some stuff that would be scary, but I guess, I don't know. There's one of those things, I guess if you're like really confident that you know how to use the lathe good and you're really confident that you know how to use the router well, then there <sighs> should be no problem using them both at the same time, I guess, right? Like, I don't know. I can't do either well, so maybe it'll say, double negative, never... <laughs> it'll cancel each other out and I'll be I would, good I don't even it. know. That, yeah, I don't even know that I would want to try it, but ooh, I've got something that I'm going to be working on that I'm looking forward to as well. I'm doing the kitchen for the bus this week and I'm going to be doing laminate countertops and I'm also going to be facing all of the cabinet doors and the cabinet box with the exact same laminate. I'm just going to keep all the plywood edges showing. You should, it's going to be fire. For appliances, you should only have a waffle maker in there. Yeah, and then okay. if people give you any crap, just be like, what? You can make everything you would ever need from a waffle iron <laughs> and then just start making everything. <laughs> Like I get ground Smoothies. beef, I get ground <laughs> yeah. beef, I pack it into the waffle maker and I make waffle patties. Yeah, you got a waffle burger, baby. Think about how it would keep the cheese and ketchup from pooling off the sides. Yeah, they're the angle. I mean, that's no. the beauty of the waffle with syrup. Yeah, they're the angle grinders of the culinary world. That's no, true. That's part like, of like the magic bullet or something. Yeah. Well, it's the way you pitch it is. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Do you like condiments? Do you like large amounts of sauces and accoutrements to whatever you're eating? Well, just turn it into a waffle and the solution just presents itself. It's right there for you. Mike is so ready to do an infomercial. Like, I know, man. Mike (laughs) is ready for a billboard and an infomercial. (laughs) I just need the product. I need something that I can really stand behind. It wasn't the pomade. So close. Yeah. Unfortunately, it hasn't been Maker Brand. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Maker, Maker Brand is Maker Brand. I was about to say Maker Brand does not need us to be cheesy and to have gimmicks. It's just good. That's right. But yeah, but yeah, it oh. would be crazy to have some sort of product that you could just infomercial the heck out of. And we should. Tea. It would be an angle grinder jig. Well, you can use your skills because we're going to tease a big sale on clamps coming up soon. Oh yes, that is in the works. So I'm stay gonna, tuned. I was about to say, sh- we'll get that big read next week. But yeah, if anybody is on the lookout for buying clamps, especially... Hold up for a day. <laughs> yeah, especially in the next couple of weeks, just give us a minute because Maker Brand is working on a really big sale. We want to do something to kind of close out summer or sort of like this kind of buying season. So Everyone we're going to cap it off clamps. with it. I was about to say, we're going to c- cap it off with a really, really big clamp sale. And we're going to try and do bundles to where if anybody's looking to upgrade kind of if you want to upgrade your upgrade your bar clamps you can do that if you want to upgrade your f clamps you can do that or if you want to get some of both we'll have packages for that available too but we want to give like really really big bulk discounts 
That way, if you just want to take the crappy F-style Harbor Freight clamps that you have been using for the past however long and just finally be able to get rid of them and replace them with something good that's going to last forever and kind of be your forever tool, this will be the time to be able to do that. strong enough that you can do a pull-up on. Boom. Without bending the bar. So, I mean, the bar bends, but not permanently. It flexes it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anybody else that you could do that with, with their clamps. No, it doesn't exist. Maybe NASA. (laughs) Because they're working on woodworking clamps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What What are you guys obsessed with? Ooh. Ooh, I actually have one, but I need to, I need to search my YouTube history to find it. So you guys go. All right, go ahead, Ben. Uh, well, I was going to say Cutworks, but we already talked ah, about him. Sorry. So I'll throw in a bonus round, but let me look at my phone to see what I've been doing. <laughs> so my first one is a product recommendation, and it's Ryobi's new work light. It folds out. It's like a tripod. I'm not going to go full cell mode. Check out my stories. I did it. It's really good. It's something that's good enough to use both. You know, you could throw it in the back of your truck, pop it out quick for a construction site, but it's also good enough to film with, which is kind of a new thing. Their LED lights have gotten a lot better. From a design standpoint, it's going to be Arcosanti, which was this kind of like commune hippie architecture thing that was built, but it is wild. I visited it a long time ago when I was in college on a road trip. It's some really cool, brutalist, but very utopian-looking architecture out in the middle of the desert. And one of the things that they did was really cool is they formed concrete by building up mounds of dirt, putting the rebar over the dirt, and then pouring into the holes, or they'd dig down. So it's kind of like they'd make a mound. It was, it's kind of like making buildings the way you'd make a sandcastle almost. With What's a, it called? Arcosanti. So Ar- A-R-C-O-S-A-N-T-I. And was done by this kind of like crazy architecture, kind of cult leaderish guy oh, wow. and some really cool stuff. It looks like Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah, that kind of like gritty desert. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. And then the last one is just another shout out to my boy, Andrew Schultz. I got my first comedy writer's credit for helping with his sort of uh, weekly rants on Instagram. Oh, nice. So adding to the repertoire. Yeah, he's got some big things coming up, and I'm going to get ready to start releasing the videos about me building out the studio that has now been seen so many times in all of those Instagram rants. So, you know, Mike did the the studio set for Flagrant 2, which is his, I think it's actually one of the largest Patreon podcasts. And I did the set for Schultz, which is a new show that's going to be coming up. But he's using that set now for all those kind of weekly Saturday morning Instagram rants that have been, uh, you know, making the rounds. That have been blowing up. That's tight. Okay, so I've got a link sending to you guys right now in the Google Hangout chat. You may see it. And as it pops up and as you guys watch it, I'm going to describe this to the listeners. So if you want to find this video and watch along, just search on YouTube, Firewood Processing Procedure Upgrade. And it's on a channel called Don, D-O-N-N-D-I-Y. So this person, and it's funny because it talks, it's weird that you asked me this question earlier, Chris, because I had this video liked so that I would remember to find it for my obsession this week. Uh I saw this video at like two o'clock in the morning the other day. And it's this guy that built this machine that's got a chainsaw strapped to it. It's all out of steel. And he basically modified a hydraulic log splitter, a chainsaw and a bunch of other just steel. And he made this thing that with one pulley motion that the human operator does, it 
uses the chainsaw to slice the wood to yeah. whatever length you set. So it's like a miter leg saw. Dr- yeah. So it, 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 well, chainsaw. Yeah. But it like, it's like a miter saw version right. of a chainsaw that cuts exactly. your log to length. Then it hop goes down into this hopper where in the same motion, it's also splitting the wood, but it's not just a normal splitter where it cuts the wood in half. It's got like four or eight different kind of like directions to it to where it, it, even if you have a big diameter log, it splits all of it in one pass. And then from there, it goes to this conveyor belt thing that throws it into these giant bins that then a forklift can come and then store all of your wood. So you can basically do, I don't know, a rick. A cord, I was going to say, yeah, how many buttloads are we talking here? Of wood. <laughs> yeah, how many buttloads can you, you turn in an hour? You, you can do a buttload every hour with this thing. But it was really cool. So if you're wanting to see it, just search firewood processing procedure upgrade. That is the video. And it's, it's, it's pretty banger. tight. Am I wrong? No, it's good. It's very cool. I enjoy it. I mean, this, I, is, that type of, this I, is that type of foreign YouTube content. I think I could do it better content. with an angle grinder. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I was about to say this is that content that I really look for for like a lot of the foreign YouTube channels yeah, where Russians. there'll be like nobody talking, but yeah. it'll be the best time lapses of people building with with some yeah. kind of engineering or some kind of outcome that's just like way better than what you were expecting, you know? Yep. But yeah, this is a good one. I'm sure I'll share it somewhere on Instagram. Nice. All right. I got a kind of weird, vague obsession this week. So it, it would be different depending on what you're into, but the general idea would be think of like some kind of nostalgia or like something that you used to be into an old hobby of yours and see if there's a podcast for it because there probably will be. So like, I don't know why the other day, but when I was in eighth grade, my life was magic, the gathering. I love myself some magic, the gathering. So it's like, Oh, what if there's any podcasts about magic, the gathering? And I just like randomly (laughs) look for it and I found one (laughs) and there's more than one. And Chris is like, I, and I got all I'm of the references, in, <laughs> no. all of those inside jokes and references. I got way more than yeah, I well, should have. It was cool because like, so Magic the Gathering, I was into it in eighth grade. So this would have been like 1995 or 1996 or something like that. And it started in like 1992 or three. So it wasn't very old when I was into it. So like I found a few episodes where he's like talking about like the history of it and like the development of it and all that. So it's like. Obviously, the production's lower than like what it would be if you found like a documentary about something. But it's just crazy that like you can find such rich information about something that you would think that you couldn't. So yeah, explore an old hobby for nostalgia's sake. Yeah, for all those hobbies that you grew up and let go, somebody yeah. didn't. <laughs> yeah, ben, somebody you find did that not let go. Podcast. I will. And Mike, you find that a... Gran Turismo. I was pretty big into Gran Turismo. I would would listen to a Gran Turismo podcast hard. Yeah, that was the first... I literally, in my browser, I have Gran Turismo podcast Googled. (laughs) My my version of that isn't a podcast. It's an Instagram account. So, I mean, I spent so much of my youth like doing martial arts. And most of it was kind of like crappy strip mall martial arts that doesn't really teach you how to fight but like you're not really sure because there's no ufc back then so i like this instagram account called it's like called mick dojo and it's just like <laughs> all these videos of just like total bullshit karate people like getting their ass oh, kicked because they dang. think they're doing like stuff that so doesn't like mcdonald's actually work. but mick dojo 
yeah it's gotcha it's, it's like those fun. dudes that do like the like slap fighting thing where yeah. it's like i'm slapping at such a high speed that you can tell that the assailant oh, is it's called uh, McDojo obviously McDojo <laughs> okay life. there we go so mc something very different d-o-j-o life it's yeah so it's like it just reminds me of like of just like how many times i listened to some sort of visiting sensei like that mm. was just like old and fat and couldn't fight his way out of a paper bag just like talking just like enjoying the captive audience of people paying uh. 30 dollars a month to for you know two hours a week at a gymnastics gym with like <laughs> standing around in white pajamas with colored belts and now I'm uh, picturing that that sensei like driving down the street right now, listening to our podcast, and he karate chops his car dashboard in half because he's so yeah. mad at well, the radio. Ah, <laughs> if he did, he wouldn't break anything. Maybe his <laughs> How hand. How dare they? They they are like those like pastors that have like the snakes and stuff like that. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. What a great way to end it on. Honestly, this has been a good episode, though. Yeah. I think this is this leaves a lot of things to come back to. Yes. We're gonna find more. We're gonna find out more about what a real buttload is. Uh, we're gonna learn about <laughs> laminate on plywood, which I'm looking forward to. Chris, Ben, you guys are up to things. Yeah. Oh man. And it's That's gonna be next great. Week. So if <laughs> if you have any topic suggestions or things you think we should talk about, oh, the best we'll way do to the tool draft. The tool draft. Oh, yeah. We gotta yeah. Do that tool draft. The best way to get your answers question or your questions answered or your topics talked about is just to hit us up on Instagram individually. We check the podcast at Modern Maker Podcast account occasionally, but everybody's every on their own Instagram every day. And that is at Four Eyes Furniture for Chris, mm-hmm. at Benjamin Ueda for Ben, and at Modern Builds for me. If you want to leave a review on the podcast app, that always helps and just lets the app know that we're a good show and that it should suggest us to shows that are similar. And otherwise, we'll just listen to you next week, guys. This has been a fun hangout, and we hope you guys are staying productive and building cool things. If you are, tag us in them, and we'll see you next time on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye.